Are you wanting? Go ahead and uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 again. And while you're turning there, I want you to stand to your feet, if you will, uh, in honor of God's word. And we're going to get ready to hear what God has to say to us this morning. I, I'm very uh, excited and enthusiastic about what God wants to say to us this morning. It's going to be a wonderful time. We thank you, Lord, in advance. I'm going to start reading in verse number 25. And this is kind of going to be our foundational text uh, probably running for the next uh, couple of weeks. And so as the series progress, and so we're going to continue that. So we're going to start in verse number 25. You there? Say amen. amen. Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church and not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husband ought to love their wives, love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. And the wife see that she respects her husband. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray for the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that, God, that you would guide my thinking, my mind. I pray that I would have good continuity of thought. I pray, Lord, that there would be minimal to little distractions at all. Father, I pray that your people will hear what the Spirit wants to say uh, to the church this morning, God. We are excited, Lord, about what you want to do and say in and through us this morning. So our hearts are open. Our minds are ready. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence. We began our series last week entitled Stay Together. And this is a time of year, as I said last week, where the church, not just the church, but probably everyone in our country, we celebrate relationships because of Valentine's Day, which is on the horizon. So, so husbands, I hope you are already got your gifts ready. Amen. Oh, it's got real quiet. Amen. Amen. But by time next week, I know things are going to be in check because I want to hear about it if it's not. Amen. And so um, so this series really is primarily designed to strengthen as well as provide a deeper understanding about what marriage is. And last week, we really uh, kind of looked at the foundation of marriage. What I was trying to do in that message is I wanted all of us to begin to understand that marriage has a much more deeper meaning than what we are accustomed to thinking. Marriage is 
ultimately a picture of Christ and his church. And so we entitled this series to stay together because I know that there are so many forces today that is trying to rip marriages apart. Are you hearing me? And not only trying to rip them apart, but, but, but the enemy is distorting what real, true marriage looks like. And so it's up to the church to begin to step back into this thing and begin to, to lay hold of what God has given us to represent his uh, relationship with the church. And so we talked about in that message that uh, marriage was not just about you being happy or even staying in love, although those are byproducts and you want to have a happy marriage. We'll talk about that. And you want your marriage to be healthy and all of that. But I wanted to give you a little bit more of inspiration. That perhaps in sharing with you this series, you gain a deeper and you gain a deeper and more intense understanding of marriage, perhaps you would be more inspired to avoid the D word. And that is divorce. Divorce does happen. Perhaps you're listening to this message this morning and some of you have experienced that. And as I said last week, it's water under the bridge. But what I want to do is begin to lay a good foundation, a new foundation. How many know that we want to do it right? I believe that when we fully grasp and understand the, what marriage is really all about, that we can have great marriages and that we can have families that will adequately represent the kingdom of God. The church ought to take the lead in that. I really believe that. I, I said last week, I want to echo it again, that, that we do not take our cues from the world about what marriage is. The world does not define marriage for us. Do we all understand that? Do we all agree with that? God decides that. And we, we took an in-depth uh, study last week and looked at how the, it was something that God himself established before the foundation of the earth. And so we want to be a people that understand and know and, and, and really strive to say, you know what, I am, hear this, if you're single, you're probably going to say, if you really grasp this message, you're going to get some information that's going to help you find the right person. Everybody say find the right person. Find the, right person. the only thing worse than being single is marrying a fool. That's hard, ain't it? I'm telling you. But see, what, what we want to do is we want you to take it slow. We want to be more deliberate. We want to take time to understand what this is really all about. And if you're, if you're a man this morning and you're single, you're going to learn, obviously, what it really means to lead. Just because you wear the pants in the house don't make you no man. Real men don't dictate they love. Mm, we're going to take you for a ride today. And so I believe that the root, you often hear me say this. Let me back up because I get a little bit excited and then I just start going off the chain here. So let me slow down. But you've often heard me say that our society is, def is, is, is really uh, deficient of good leaders. And no more is that more evident than in the home. How many know the family is the foundation to any good society? The family. It's no wonder why the enemy attacks 
the family so hard because he knows if he can rip apart the family, he can begin to shred apart society. We talk about good leaders in the home and what it really means to be a husband. I'm reminded of the fact that some of us have had bad examples. Perhaps you grew up in a home and your father was abusive. He was not absent. Or even if he was home, uh, uh, he wasn't there. His mind was someplace else. He wasn't engaging. And, and, And maybe that was your experience. And because that was your experience, in particular ladies sometimes, women they, who, who, who are in marriage or, or contemplating marriage is a little bit hesitant when we talk about submitting to men's leadership, which we're going to talk about here today. Because our sermon, did I tell you what the sermon title is today? Uh, God's Design for Husbands. You see it behind me? I was supposed to do that at the beginning of my sermon. I apologize. And so, so we want to uh, uh, look at um, how to be a godly husband in a marriage. Again, I can't change what your experience may have been, but we can start from here today. We can start from here. Um, I was thinking about when I was putting together this message, one of the things that, that came to my mind is how our society thinks, and nowadays it's celebrated if a brother or a husband is just in the house. But how many know that we need to shoot for more than being just in the house? That is not our goal. The enemy has distorted what it really means to lead. And I promise you, ladies, that when I finish talking to you this morning, listen, listen, if your husband can do what we're talking about this morning, you will gladly, gladly, gladly submit to his leadership. I promise you. We learn how to love and lead like Christ. Let me tell you, I've met no woman that wouldn't follow her husband. I haven't met one. So, men, if you want a better wife, you got to be a better husband. If you want a better wife, you got to be a better husband. If you don't like the way your wife is, then maybe you need to change the way you treat her. Maybe if your wife, if, if she don't feel important uh, or she don't feel confident, then, then maybe you need to sew that into her. Maybe it's because you have communicated to her exactly the opposite. See, if you want a woman that looks at herself as glorious, who walks with a kind of authority, who walks with dignity and respect, then men, you must sew it into them. How many know men, when you treat your wife like a queen, she will act like a queen. When you talk down to her or you talk to her in such a way to suggest she's lesser than, then you reap what you what? So if you want a better wife, you got to be a better husband. Because God has called men, watch this, men are ultimately responsible. I'm going to give you the biblical understanding of why that's important this morning. God holds us responsible. As men, to love our wives, to lead our wives, and to do it the right way. And so let's kind of dig into some verses this morning. And I want to talk about a couple of things as it relates to uh, what we're going to, our main topic. First thing I want to talk about this morning is the roles in marriage. Now, bear with me. I do understand 
the, uh, that oftentimes the men in general have not been good leaders. I get it. I get it, wives, that sometimes you've been sorely disappointed because your husband hasn't stepped up and done what he was supposed to do. I get it. I, I understand it. I understand that if you're reluctant or you're hesitant even because your husband has not been the man that, he, that you thought he would be and that he should be. I understand that you may be hesitant. But, but here's the thing. In order to get it fixed, we all must go back to what God's word says about marriage. So we got to go back to the foundation. We need to go back and understand what this whole thing is all about. So I want to talk this morning about submission. Now, next week, we're going to deal with the wives. But I want to talk about the role in marriage and this idea that mutual submission is the primary way of how marriage is to be run. Now, obviously, I fully agree that there should be mutual respect and humility, uh, not only in the body of Christ, but also in the marriage. I believe that husband and wives should humble themselves and serve each other. I believe they should lift each other up. How many of you agree with that? Say amen. amen. But that does not mean at the expense of the man not being the head of the house. God has called men to be the head of the home. I'm going to say that again. Because in our society, I understand, uh, you know, I, I listen to folks sometimes and, and they'll tell me that there is no leader in my home. We, we both, we just agree or, did, you know, we just mutually agree to everything. Well, you know, uh, here's the problem with that way, that, that way of thinking. First of all, uh, even though you may agree with your spouse a lot, how many know that there are times that no matter how much you love a person, you're going to clash? Is there anybody in here who's been married that you and your wife have agreed 100% of the time? Please let me know. I almost got, I thought I had one. I was about, oh, Lord Jesus. All society hinges on two pillars, authority and submission. In order for society to work, there has to be authority. There has to be submission. It's the way God designed it. And so whereas I understand why there's hesitancy, we cannot abort the word of God simply because we have somebody over here that is not represented well. So this is an idea that has really permeated our society. Well, you know what? There's no leaders. We're just going to agree and we're just going to go on. And I believe that many marriages today have ended in divorce with that way of thinking. Because we have not acquiesced to God's way of how the marriage works. And how do we know if God says a man is the head of the home or he's the head of the wife, how do we know that we should embrace that? Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, I, it was real quiet. Can, can I get a real loud amen? amen. <laughs> That's the best one we get this morning. I do get it. So husbands, now, now looking at your verse in Ephesians chapter number five, look at this. In Ephesians chapter number five, it says that, if you look at the context of it in the verses I just, I just read, husbands are compared to Christ. Wives are compared to the church. Husbands are compared to the head. Everybody say head. And wives are compared to the body. Husbands are commanded to love as Christ loves. And that's key. Love as Christ's love. And wives are commanded to submit 
as the church is to submit to Christ. Now, this is foundational as it relates to marriage, God's design. Now, in verse 23, let's look at that verse 23 of Ephesians chapter number 5. Because I want you to lay eyes on it. And I want you to understand this is not Pastor Gary talking. This is the word of the Lord. It says, for the husband is head. Everybody say head. Head, head of the wife. As also Christ is head of the church. Stay with it now. And what else? He is savior of the body. Now, I understand that you may be hesitant, but look at the neighbor and say, stay with it. In Ephesians 1, verses 21 through 23, listen to this. Far above all principalities, watch this, and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in, the, in that which is to come, and he, God, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him to be the, everybody say, head, head over all things concerning the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the text here focuses on Christ's rule and authority. Christ as the head of the church, just like the husband is the head of the wife. In other words, he occupies to her the same relationship Christ has with the church. Now, you still with me? Say amen. amen. Now, being head, watch this, involves leadership. Now, I said a moment ago that we're going to bash some of our way of thinking about what leadership is. But being head in the body of Christ, it involves leadership. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, look at this. This is a powerful verse. Husband, love your wives just as Christ. Mm, let, me, let me go back. I want to I take my time. Husband, love your wives. How do you love them? Just as Christ loved the church. You, you see that? So he didn't just say love your wife. He said, now I'm going to give you an example. I want you to love your wife just like I love my church. Boy, that's a deep concept. Amen. Because how many know that Jesus loves his church? <laughs> Watch this. And loved her and he gave himself for her. Now, I want you to understand what this is all about. So we see here Christ is taking the lead. How many know that Christ is, is taking the lead to save his bride? How many know that when you were in the thick of your sin, Christ came after you? He did not wait for you. He was already chasing you long time ago. You just got the revelation. Christ is, he, he took the lead by, by suffering and, and dying from his wife. In other words, Christ was taking the initiative. He didn't just respond to his church. He anticipated what she needed. See, if you're a good husband, you would anticipate <laughs> what she needs. So Christ was, he was, he was, he was anticipating. He, he knew exactly what the church needed. And so he took the initiative. He went out front. And what did he do? He, I mean, he, he loved us. 
He cared for us. He lifted us up. He encouraged us. He, the Bible said that before the foundation of the world was, he called us. How many know that, now listen, even when, when we didn't know what we needed, he knew what we needed and he jumped out front. Ah, y'all, some of y'all still trying to get that. Because as a, as, a, as a leader of your home, it doesn't mean that you just sit back with your remote control, watching TV, drinking your root beer, <laughs> barking out orders. It means that you take the initiative, that you step out, and that you do whatever you got to do to make sure that your wife is well taken care of. In other words, you are already looking down the road to make sure that no harm or hurt come to her because you're thinking about her. First Peter chapter 3, y'all know that verse? It says, it talks about uh, dwell with your wives in an understanding way. In, in other words, Peter is saying, men, take a class and study your wife. Get to know her. Get to know, in fact, get to know things about her that she don't even know about herself. Why? Because you love her like Christ loved the church. So which means you're always thinking about how you can encourage her, how you can lift her up. How many of the Bible said that, that Christ presents the church to himself, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle? How many know when a man treats his wife right, she will walk like she is without spot or without wrinkle? I can always tell a woman that's been abused who haven't been treated right. Maybe that's why sometimes men, sometimes we don't like our wives because they are a reflection of us. And, and what they just did, they just said there was something that's wrong in you. Because she's a mirror. She is a mirror because Christ, he went out front. We talk about leadership. Leadership is taking a lead. It's initiative. Everybody say initiative. initiative. Simply means that you jump out front. That you anticipate how many women wouldn't love a man like that? Come on, ladies. Honey, you already thought about that? Wow! Honey, that was, that was what I was... That's because, baby, I've been checking you out. I didn't just marry you and take a trip. I married you to learn, to study you, to get to know you, to understand what it is you need. And when I see that you have a need, I'm there to help you. I'm going to encourage you because I'm... Listen, I want to treat you just like Christ treated the church. I'm going to anticipate what your needs are. Look at your husband. Look at your wife and say, baby. Come on, look at your wife and say, baby. I, come on, come on. Say, I anticipate what you need. Let her know you got her back. See, as head, as head of the home, the husband is the protector. Everybody say protector. It says that he is, in verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 5, he is the savior of the body. As Christ watches over and protects his church. How many know men, we ought to watch over and protect our wives? Lay down your life. Cover her. Encourage her. Love her. Protect her from danger, seen and unseen. How many know Christ protects his, his wife? 
How many of you feel protected by the blood? of? You, listen, you need to know you are protected today by the blood of Jesus. You are protected. So, men, you're the head of the wife. That means you are the protector. I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. Stay with me. As head, the husband is the provider. Everybody say provider. Verses 28 and 29 of Ephesians chapter 5. Look at this verse. So a husband ought to love their own wives. See, see, I, I'm tempted to go there, but. Husband ought to love their own. Everybody say own. own. Stop looking at everybody else because you don't listen. You look, take, if you want your grass to look better, water your own garden. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure. Stop looking at where somebody else is talking about how green their lawn is and spend some time and fix your own. That'll preach right there, won't it? So husband ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, love him what? Love himself. This thing is deep. I've never understood a man who would speak negatively about his wife. Because stupid, you're talking about yourself. Do you understand how this thing how this thing works? For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. That word "nourish" in the Greek is ektrepho, and it is a e k t r e p h o for those who want to know. And it is a word that's most often used in the Bible for raising children and providing for what they need. But in this context, it is used as the husband being the a, a caring provider. See, uh, that word cherish is thalpe, which is T-H-A-L-P-E-I. It, it means to tenderly care for. How many know the husbands? You are supposed to, listen to me, I don't care what society say. Are you still listening? Say amen. amen. Ultimately, it's your responsibility as the head of your house to provide for your family. Let me tell you something. I was sitting there talking to my wife just yesterday, and I was uh, running some numbers by her. <laughs> and she's going to get me when she hears this. Uh, but so some of you know that I'm, I'm slated to retire at the end of the year. So Fairfax County, uh, they sent me this uh, uh, the, the, my, a benefits uh, notice and to tell me how much money I'll be getting. And, and so I began to throw some numbers out at my wife. And I said, okay, if I did this, this is how much money I get if I did that. And, and, and let me tell you something. And, and right with my wife, and I can see it, as I'm talking to her, I just saw this sense of, ah. Uh, Security. Ah, I can see it in her face. She, no, 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 she tried to act like, you know, she tried to act like, you know, but, but I, can, I can see that as I'm articulating to her that, honey, you're going to be protected. And then I said to her, and if I happen to die early, you even get more money. <laughs> then she goes, well, that's not talking about that, but praise God, I get more if you go. Okay, I threw that in there. She didn't say that, but all right, it was fun. But she did say, stop talking about that with a smile on her face. I did remember saying that. But the reality of it, of it is, is that, that women, men, it's our job to provide. 
Our wives should not be walking around with all the weight of how I got it. How I got it. Come on, men. You promised to love her, care for her, and take care of her. Did you not promise to do that? That means you got to work overtime, work under the ground. You got to work midnight shift, graveyard shift, whatever you get. If you got to drive 100 miles, you are responsible ultimately to make sure that you provide for your wife, for your family. I said it, and I'm not going back on it. Families are broken today because we have too many men that are not stepping up. Now, it's not to say that women can't work. It's not to say they can't contribute. But let it be known, my wife ain't sitting back worried about how the bill is going to get paid. That's me, honey. I tell my wife, baby, you can come home whenever you want to. That's how I structure my situation. Because ultimately, I'm responsible. Men, how do you like that? Mm. Ladies, do you like that? Say amen. And they say, hey, 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 the man is ultimately, he, he's responsible. He's responsible. That's what, listen, that's what leadership means. Leadership don't mean that you are the, uh, uh, the, 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 the you, that you do everything. It simply means that, that you are the primary, that you're the one that takes the initiative. Godly men, they take the initiative. They don't just sit back and wait. You take the initiative. This is what headship means. How I many know headship is about sacrifice? It's about dying to yourself. It's about you're always thinking of ways how I can make sure that my wife is healthy, that I may nourish and cherish her and, and wash her with the word. Making sure that she's spiritually mature, that she's growing into the woman that God wants her to be, that you're putting in the time, that you're investing in her. This is what Christ does for the church. Men, men, how many know it is hard? It's hard. Being the leader that God wants you to be is hard. But by his grace, you can get there. And if you're single today, then you know exactly what you ought to be looking for. If you're a single lady in here, you, you ought to have some clue what you're looking for. Amen? Let me give you a, warning, a word of warning. <sighs> Let me give you a word of warning about uh, headship. Because I understand sometimes that that wives, I've had, this is a, a normal complaint that I get. And wives that say, uh, Pastor, my husband ain't leading. You know, he, he ain't, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. You know, he's, he's just not being a good example and, and, and all of that. And so the temptation is that you become demanding and say to your man, step up, man, and lead. Act like a man. Now, the problem with that is uh, you cannot demand that your husband take leadership. Here's why. Demanding undercut the very thing that you desire. Because if you become the demander, then he is not the leader. Do you hear that? See, it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, watch this, it says, um, uh, it, it says uh, uh, the, 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 the gentle and quiet spirit is of great reward in the presence of God. So wives, one of the things you don't want to do, because you might be sitting here today and you're thinking, about, uh, you're looking, you know, I think I got like five things I'm going to talk to my husband about. I got, I, I, I see. Look, don't be a demander. See, demanding would be counterproductive because even if he wanted to, 
to do it, your demanding will take the heart out of the potential leadership. It won't feel like he's leading, but instead it will feel as though he is bowing to your demands. Remember, you want him to lead. So you can't demand him to lead because, in effect, he just kind of acquiesces. He's not leading. So you might be sitting here saying, Pastor, what do I do? Well, number one, how many know that it has to come from within by the Holy Spirit? It has to come from within the man. It has to come. God has to show him. And, and, and wives, let me, t- let, me give you, let me give you a word of advice. Here's what you do. You pray hard. I know you do. But you pray that God will awaken his true manhood. And then wherever you see him lead effectively, affirm it. So when you see a little glimmer, it may not be like Pastor Vietnam, just kidding. It may not be like, that was a joke. It may not be, gosh, horrible today. It, it may not be uh, everything you want it to be, but um, maybe every now and again, he shows you a glimmer of leadership. Maybe this one, maybe this one morning, he just happened to get up, and he got all the kids up, and he said, family, let's go to church. Then what did you do? Affirm it. Affirm it. Affirm it. Affirm what you see good in your man. And all the ladies said amen to that. Amen. amen. So let me give you four practical ways I'd be out of the way. Four practical ways husbands should lead in the home. Based on everything I said, we understand that the man is the leader of the home. We understand that we've established already that, that headship involves leadership. It involves sacrifice. It involves taking the initiative. It means I'm, I'm stepping out front. It involves I'm anticipating what you need, and I'm there to help you to meet that need because I'm going to care for you like Christ cares for the church. So four practical ways a husband should lead in the home. Number one, leadership in spiritual provision. How many know men to provide, and I'm talking to the men, and ladies, don't be too hard on the brothers, because your turn coming next week. How many know that men, in order to provide spiritual food for the family, you must know spiritual food? You cannot give your wife or your family what you don't have. Men of God, listen to me, you, listen, we as men got to go hard after God. Hear me, hear me. If you don't hear anything else, men, we got to go hard after God. I can't feed my my family spiritually if I'm not fed spiritually. I got to have a clue. And so, so men, you just can't sit back with a cavalier attitude. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved under God. Study. Read your Bible. Feed yourself spiritually so that when you sit down, the kids are like E.F. Hutton. They're going to listen to everything you got to say. Lead in spiritual provision. Go hard after God. Take the initiative. You gather the family for family devotion. Don't mean you always have to do it, but I'm going I'm to make sure that it gets done. You are the one that, 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 that gathers the family around and, 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 and makes sure that devotion are, are being taken place in the house. Or, or you're the one to, to make sure that the family is prepared for worship. Tell you something. 
you and I as men, we just said that we're the leaders. We're the initiators. Christ died. He laid down his life. And how many know that, that we should take the lead in spiritual matters? We should take the lead. Take the initiative. Won't you get up in the morning instead of waiting for your wife to get up and get everybody for church? Won't you do it? Every now and then. Won't you get up? Won't you set the alarm? Well, I'm not a morning person. Well, listen, you better grow up. Get, you, <laughs> hmm. Oh, me, I can't go there. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. You take the initiative. You feed, you make sure that the family is taken care of spiritually. Number two, second one, we said four, second one, in leadership and physical provision. We talked about that a little bit. I won't belabor that much. But husbands bear the primary responsibility to put bread on the table. And by the way, in men, just because if your wife happened to make more money than you, it don't mean it's not your responsibility still. It's okay if she makes more money than you. Because in our society today, the breadwinner is the, is the one that leads, but not in the kingdom of God. I said not in the kingdom. It don't work that way in the kingdom. You are still responsible. As I said before, the wife should not carry the burden of that. Men are required to do that. Number three, leadership in spiritual protection. Spiritual protection. Everybody say protection. How many know the Job? <laughs> the Job, the Bible says, and I don't have time to turn there. Do I have time to turn there? No? Do I have time? Okay, somebody said, okay, go, go, go to Job real quick, chapter one. Look at it. Job chapter one. And there was a man, I gotta read because I don't have much time. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was what? Blameless and upright, and one who feared God and he shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, he, uh, his possession were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 feet. In other words, the brother was rich. You got that? Verse number four. <laughs> and, and his sons would go in and feast in their houses, each, of, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite uh, their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would sin and sanctify them. Who was taking the lead here? Job. And he would rise up, what? Early in the morning and offer burnt offering according to the number of them, what? All. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Thus Job did regularly. Job was out front. He covered his family with prayer. Men, we ought to every single day, don't let nobody walk out of your house without you praying for them. Even if you're not there physically to lay hands on them, you make sure that you pray for your family. How many know that we need to protect our family? We need to cover our family. It's our responsibility. Amen. Cover every day. Fight for your children in prayer. Cover your wife. With your wife at your side. Prayerfully consider. How do we know that there's so much information coming in on the TV screen nowadays? And we got the PDAs and the iPhones and the Kindles and the Surface Pros and all the different gadgets. And so nowadays, kids can go in their little quiet place inside. And sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, some stuff can sneak in. 
But how many know that we need the men? I'm calling on men today because we're ultimately responsible as the head of the family. This is what headship means. It don't mean that other stuff you've been talking, that you've been taught. This is what it really means. That we need to prayerfully consider what's allowed on the TV screen. What music will my kids listen to? And what movies even will they go to? Well, Pastor, they're just seeing it be too controlling. Oh, well, it's my responsibility. And, and, and I love God too much than to abdicate that responsibility to your personal feelings or whatever else society says. I'm going with the Lord. I'm accountable to him, you see. Men, this is your responsibility. Determine, listen, as a man, listen, as a man, you should help determine what your daughter should look like when she walk out of the house. I'm going to talk to this for a moment. Can I have a moment? Let's talk. Listen to me. Now, wives play a key role in this. No doubt, no doubt about it. But, 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 but how many know that the ladies need to know what men think about them when they see how they dress? That best comes from a man. I tell my kids, listen, I tell, I, I, you know, all you, I tell my kids, my, my two daughters all the time. I said, listen, I said, I said, don't sell yourself cheap. You're not for sale. You can't get no discount here, brother. I don't want you to look at me like I'm some kind of sex object. You don't look at me and say, oh, listen, if you've got to put on all that to get him, you and he ain't worth you. Because if, if you're worth anything, you won't have to half undress to get him. If he's worth anything, why would you want a man to just look at you and look at your stuff? And, and that's the way he sees you. Because if that's the way he sees you, that's the way he's going to treat you. Y'all not ready for this this morning. So then, if I walk with such dignity and respect. See, see I, even when I was a, a sinner <laughs> in the street, as we say, in the street. When I was in the street, I knew who the women were that had class, and I knew who the women were that, I'll leave it at that. I'd be like, I, I can marry her. Her, oh, no way, never marry her. Might be a great date, but that's about it. See, now I'm just talking real, because see, nobody will tell you. This is, this, is, this is real stuff I'm talking about this morning. So husbands... You ought to speak. You got to protect your daughter, protect your family, cover them in prayer, watch, be involved. Don't just sit back and say, ask your mama. Well, daddy, can I go ask your mama? Well, daddy, can I ask your mama? Well, what are you there for? <laughs> Change the name of the house from Bailey to ask your mama. I just use myself. So I won't offend nobody. Ask your mama, ask your mama. How many know that's not leadership? It's not leadership. See, and just another thing, men, when we talk about spiritual protection, the scripture says in Ephesians 4, 26 and verse 27, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Listen to me, this is a big one too. But men, you need to take the lead in reconciliation. Oh, oh pastor, but it's her fault. So? How many know that it was your fault, but Christ still came after you? How many know that it was your fault, but Christ still chased after you? He saved you. He went after you. Just because it was her fault don't mean that you're just supposed to sit back and say, I'm going to wait. Let me tell you something. This is just, I learned this a long time ago. And 99% of the time, I think I'm right. 
Me and my wife have a, I'm just being honest. Me and my wife have a discussion. I think I'm right. I say that because many of you think the same thing. That's why you make an argument about it. I'm just telling it like it is. And so, so what I've learned a long time ago is that, that as a leader of the home, I'm not going to sit and let my wife see. Listen, I'm not going to let her sit in bitterness and anger. Oh, no, honey. I'm going to step up. I'm going to take the knee. Listen to me. Listen to me. She may beat me to the, she may say I'm sorry. That's okay. But she needs to know I'm going to take the lead to come to you. I'm not going to sit here and play the game. Oh, oh, we're going to wait and see. Let's just see who's going to give in first. Men, that's a weak man. That's weak. If your wife, hear me, listen to me, you take the lead in reconciliation because Christ reconciled us even when it wasn't popular, even when we wanted nothing to do with him, and of course, when we were wrong, and we were wrong all the time when it comes to Christ. And yet, he still came after us. This is what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. The brother's looking hard at me right now, but it's a deep, this is a mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. <laughs> Finally, leadership in physical protection. Number four, leadership in physical protection. Now, this almost goes without saying, but let me say this. <clears throat> if a burglar is in the house, brothers, you don't send your wife and say, honey, it, it, I did it last night. It's your turn. <laughs> I, I hear some noise at the door. Honey, it's your turn tonight. Listen, if a burglar get in the house, and even if your wife is, the, is a 15-degree black belt, and she can whip your butt, when the burglar came in the house, you better be the first one, even if you're getting knocked on the floor and she has to finish him out, you should be as a living witness. Now, I'm on the floor knocked out, but I was here. I, I should, let it not be said that I didn't go first. See, if you don't stand and protect your wife, you are not a man. I'm sorry, you are not a man. I don't know what you are, but you ain't that. How many know that we got to step out? We ought to go ahead. I, every night, I, I surf the floor before I go to bed. Every night. I just, just, this, my wife would tell every night, every night. I'm not boasting on myself, I'm just telling you a fact. I check every door. Before I go to bed, I go through, I make sure everything is locked. I look outside, I cut the front porch light on, I see if anything's suspicious. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to come to Pastor Bailey's house, if you want to come messing with me and my family, I want you to know I'm ready. And you better come strong. So if you ever get mad, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm ready. Y'all know what I do for a little, I'm ready. Don't come mess with me, because I'm ready. If you come out, why well, I will defend my family to the death. Or you're not a man if you don't do so. Lastly, I'm done. This is last. Now, in conclusion, I just want to just look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 and 9. This is in conclusion. We're done right here. Galatians chapter, you got that verse? Galatians chapter, did I give you that one? Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Look at this. Y'all remember when, when Adam and Eve got in trouble with God? When they, the first sin, the original sin. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. 
Mm. Then, then, uh, their eye, the, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <clears throat> and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But then the Lord called to Eve and said to her, where are you? Is that what it said? No. Y'all should have jumped all over me. That was your chance to say, heretic! When Adam, listen to me, Eve was the one who initially took of the fruit and passed it. But when God came and he called them to account, who, who was the first person he called? Adam. See, if there's trouble in your house, the Holy Spirit will come knock on your door. The first thing he'll say is, where's the man of the house? Where is the man of the house? Why? Because Adam was ultimately responsible. And how many know men, we are ultimately responsible? I want to encourage you today, men. Maybe you're sitting here today. I, I just want us to be honest. And you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we all can do better. That includes me. We all can do better. But you're sitting here today, and you're thinking, man, I've just been terrible. I've been, everything that, that I've, been, I've, been, I've been wrong, if you're a man, you're sitting here today, you're thinking, I've been a bad example. I haven't been involved with my kids. I've been abusive to my wife. I've spoken negatively about her and to her. I've said things that I should have never said. All, if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to get it right. You know, we, we talk about all, 